podcast is um, a chat with Sarah Robinson recorded in St. Augustine's Centre for Asylum Seekers and Refugees in Halifax. It was absolutely fascinating and a real eye-opener to go round. It's like a sort of microcosm of society with every trade you can think of represented there among the people who use it and who then pass on their knowledge and skills to others. There's, and a major part of it is to be able to speak English. If you can't do that, then you're pretty stuck at an awful lot of things, including advice. Uh, so, yeah, it was really interesting. And Sarah's a lovely woman, and but one among many people who offer their time and their skills there. That's Sarah Robinson, the centre director. Yeah, we met some really interesting people. Um, we're talking to Saba, who's a master tailor. Yeah. Who was um, mending clothes and making bags. And making, it made a suit for somebody. <laughs> Just amazing. Yes, yeah. Yes. So they've laid out some tailor's tables. I'm not quite sure what the terminology is. Mm, and they make, yeah, yeah. They make bags and they're considering selling them uh, to help raise some money for the centre. And there was also a guy who's a boxer who runs a boxing club, and that's apparently really popular. Yes, yes, he was shaped like a boxer as well. He was, it? yeah. <laughs> really nice lad, but he was, and he was doing reception. That's one of the two buildings they've got there. Yeah, and yeah. He... We talked to a lot of people who aren't included in the interview, but gave us a flavour of what it's like, and they were all happy to chat, weren't they? Yes, I think we must go back and have a more in-depth chat with, with, with one or two of them Yeah, at, at yeah. some point. But, oh, yes, the food. Oh, the food, yeah. <laughs> the Fantastic. marvellous as yeah. well, isn't it? Everyone's welcome to go there for food, apparently. And uh, it was a vegan day, which Sarah admitted, isn't that popular? Lots of people love their meat. <laughs> and they said, is that it? No meat. But you as a veggie... I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But interestingly, the chefs who were making the the, the food came from Eritrea, mm -hmm. Togo, Sudan, and Hebden Bridge. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what, what an amazing set of ingredients and menu they must be able to put together between them. And they're always they they use things that you know that don't um, non perishables. So, you know, they can keep them stocked up and they get donations of, like, chickpeas and rice and mm -hmm. dried goods and uh, and just make delicious stuff from them, which is fantastic. Yes, and they have uh, musicians there too, which interested oh, yes. me yeah. greatly. And I've actually had a couple of uh, bands from there at the Hebden Bridge Folk Roots Festival over the years because mm. um, it's, it's a fantastic resource really when you think there's people from 80 different countries yeah with an incredible range of skills um rather patiently i'm sure in some cases impatiently waiting to be assessed for mm. uh, refugee status and to be allowed to stay in the country yeah um yeah. but the center provides support and advice um on migration and also just how Various systems work, yeah, as well as language, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, 
this is uh, this is our chat with Sarah Robinson, Centre Director. So we're talking to Sarah Robinson in the St Augustine Centre. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a really basic thing. If you have refugees here, asylum seekers from all around the world, how did they come to be in Halifax? Did they kind of apply to emigrate? How does it work? It's a really good question. So they find their way to the UK however they can. And obviously that's often on our news, so we pick up bits. And the truth is that people are fleeing war and persecution for a whole host of reasons which we can get into, and they have to leave. And they find those of them, and it's a very small proportion, that choose to make it to the UK. It's about 1% of the world's displaced people actually mm. make it to the UK, and it's usually because they speak the language or we have a colonial history that means they identify with England or they've got relatives here, and they'll mm. come however they can get here. And obviously, we hear a lot about small boats. Well, yes, that's, that's, yeah. that's on the news all the time, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And yeah. that is, um, it's not a safe route and it's not a legal route, but there are no legal routes. No. The only nationalities of late that have been allowed to come here, obviously Ukrainians, mm. um, and there's a couple of very small schemes. There's one for Hong Kong residents, and there have been um, schemes in the past for people from Syria, mm. Afghanistan. There was a, a scheme, but actually the numbers of people it brought over was tiny. So most of the people coming on the small boats are from Afghanistan mm. um, and Syria and Sudan. But they, they make it here, and when they arrive, either by boat or however else they've come, they have to hand themselves into the authorities. And at that point, they are given a, an initial interview, and they're held in detention. Mm. And then they are placed somewhere by the Home Office. And that's literally wherever there's room. So they don't know where they're going. Mm. Um, so the people that are in Calderdale are the people that the Home Office have placed here. So they might have, part of an incentive might be that, you know, Uncle so-and-so lives in London. Yeah. But we're 200 miles away from London. That That's very common, mm. yeah. Mm. And if you're then on in the asylum system, which often you're, you're in for years before a decision is made, if you're placed into a hotel, um, which is not at all what people want, um, mm. you get £8 a week to live on. You do get Eight food. A week. Yeah. So if you want to go and visit Uncle in London, mm. you've no chance. You've no chance. And also you're not allowed to leave the accommodation overnight without special dispensation. Yeah. Some people are placed into houses, which are um, rented, um, and they have a little bit more freedom, and they're living on £45 a week because they have to buy everything, including food. But that's pretty tough amount mm. of money to live on. And that's where we come in. Yeah, I was going to say, so the centre here must be a lifeline for people who are given so little. Yeah, and... You've had a look around now, so you can mm. see that it's sort of co-run with people. So those people have got so many skills and they've got a lot of time on their hands because they're not allowed to work. Mm. They give back, so they teach English, they mend bikes, they mend IT, they do reception, they cook food, whatever it is. And together we just help create this place of, like Saba said, home, like family. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And we offer a range of things. We offer immigration advice mm. and support with welfare issues 
And then we also offer sort of more quality of life stuff like the English classes, a little bit of training. Um, we help people navigate life in Calderdale. And it is as simple as, you know, how do you post a letter? This is a post box. Yeah. Or here's a local park that's free that you can use. We also have a charity shop downstairs. So we have, we call it the free shop where people can get donated clothes. We try and give people phones. Often their phones are taken off them when they arrive and it's a real lifeline. Really? That has happened. It's happening less now because there's been a real fight back against it. But yeah, it can happen and does quite often. People arrive only in the clothes that they're wearing so they can use our free shop for that. Um, and then we have a lot of arts and sports-based activities as well. Mm. Yeah, when we came in, someone was playing football on a, an Xbox, weren't they? Yes. Drag you away because you were watching. I know, watch, <laughs> even watch football on an Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it was a nice atmosphere and um, people relaxing and doing Well, it's good because, you know, we call it a chill-out room and people seem quite chilled there and mm. somebody with a child you know, um, playing on the piano or banging on the piano as much as anything else. Mm. People drawing, people sort of tea and coffee making facilities in the corner. And it's, um, I used to run community centres and I know it's, it's a fantastic resource. One of the things I used to say uh, in terms of people saying, well, is there any point to this? I said, well... You can't measure how many people haven't had nervous breakdowns because of this facility. Mm. <laughs> and it, it, it is not everything is measurable. It's that's so true. It's often it's sometimes it's hard to make the case, but we just know, don't we, that mental health issues are five times higher in people who are fleeing war and persecution for obvious reasons. Is that all? I'd have thought it'd be more than that. Mm. <laughs> but then there's a lot of people in Britain also with mental health issues, aren't that's there? So true. it's like And that's on the increase as well. Yeah. Mm. But they their ability to access support is really minimised. So we've got a guy now who works for an organisation called Solace. They provide therapeutic support for people fleeing war and persecution. And he's located in that other building. I should have introduced you to him. Mm -hmm. So he's there. If we're worried about people, which often happens, if we really think they're not coping, mm. we'll refer them to him. And he'll help either um, get them access to some therapy or like work with them to just give them some coping mechanisms and encourage them to get involved like in our music group or mm. art or... I've, I mean, you know, I've noticed, you know, obviously I've noticed that, you know, football sessions and there's yoga and, and various sort of social sort of sessions. I mean, I know, I've known a couple of doctors who've said, you know, if they could just prescribe people free access to the local sports centre, it would do them the yeah. world of good mentally as well as physically. Totally. And that's what we try and what we've really built up here is we always used to be a lot more about crisis, um, immigration crisis or welfare crisis. But, and now what we're doing a lot more of is general quality of life, well-being. What do you do each day? How do you build relationships? How do you spend your time? How are you looking after your body and your brain? Because mm -hmm. that's what keeps people sane. And we know that, don't we, for ourselves. Mm. Yes. And it's the same for everybody else. Yeah. Absolutely. And you've got quite... Obviously, a lot of people you think from 80, 80 different countries, you said, um, use the centre, and a lot of them have brought their skills. And uh, we've just spoken to 
someone who's like repairing sort of computers and uh, mobile phones and you know spoken to survey and you've got beauticians and a whole range of things but there's a local people people born and brought up in this country who are sort of there's quite a variety of them coming along and bringing skills into help yeah. as well. So we have 100 and I think it's 160 volunteers mm. um, at any one time, and about half of those are people seeking asylum, and the rest mm. are are those local mm. people. And um, yeah, we again we wouldn't exist without them. And they do all sorts of things: casework, reception, mm. similar roles. Indy, who you met today, yeah. cooking, mm. um, gardening, mm. uh, painting sit on our board you know they're a trustee yeah, yeah. so um presumably everybody isn't granted asylum who's applied for it so do you help people to appeal that yeah or, or to apply in the first place well how they, does it work so when they hand themselves in when they arrive on british soil mm. they're then in the asylum and they make their claim right they don't need us to do that Right. They're in the system and that's why they get housed because they're in a system mm. and we have to do that under international law. Mm -hmm. You right. know, the laws that were made after the Second World War mm. that never again would we see people mm. um, not allowed to move through countries for safety. We're signed up to the Refugee Convention. But yeah, they go through an asylum claim. Our role is to help them understand it because it's really complex. I can help them prepare. And if they get refused then where appropriate, we will help people launch what's called a fresh claim or an appeal. Mm. Um, because often the system, you, they might, they're trying to navigate a system that's quite tough to understand. They might not have access to all the evidence that they're being asked to provide. Mm. Because when you have to flee, you go, right? You, you, you don't have time to find your passport. If you've got one, you don't have time to pack. You, you literally go. So you're not going to have with you the documents to prove why you're fleeing. Mm. So there's a lot of work that has to be done to make the case. So, But we do help people with appeals and fresh claims where it's appropriate to do that. Mm. Mm. Right, thanks, Sarah. And how about you, Sarah? <laughs> What's your role here? I'm centre director, which is a means I find the money to make it happen. With the board, set the strategy. Uh, overseeing the team, make sure they're okay, because sometimes mm. this work can be quite hard. Mm. Um, and I began here as a volunteer, so I was a befriender quite like eight years ago. I was a befriender for a Nigerian family. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing a bit more, and I thought, this is an amazing place. God, mm -hmm. this is like full of people from around the world, and there's a really lovely atmosphere here. And then I joined the board. Mm -hmm. And... At that time, the centre financially was struggling, like many charities. So I ended up doing quite a bit of fundraising and it didn't have anyone leading it at that point. So then we created the job description and it was a real shock to me. But I thought, I'm quite interested. It's a total change because I've worked in the arts for 30 years before oh. that. Mm. I think I'd like to have a shot at running this place because mm. it's it's the only it's the only I've never applied for a job before I've always been freelance but I thought this I love this place and um, I asked the board if it, if I could 
and stepped down as a trustee and, and yeah, got the job. And it, when we're coming up, it's, that was four years ago. Mm. The, I started a week before lockdown, so obviously that was <laughs> no a good timing, Sarah. <laughs> shift, new, new sector and mm. lockdown. But in a way, despite everything that lockdown brought, which was a, a lot, of, lot of difficulties for a lot of people, it meant that for me, I could help create changes that might have otherwise taken longer mm-hmm. because everything had changed anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we had to sort of... And the reason I work here is... Um, it, we'll all remember that picture of that child washed up on a beach. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I just thought, I don't... Why are we living in a world where this happens? Mm. And that is how what led me to find this place. And I just think that everyone deserves to live in safety wherever mm. they are we we i don't think we are bound by borders i think we're we're global citizens mm. of the world mm. and i know why people flee because i work with them mm-hmm. and so when i read things in papers that says otherwise it breaks my heart because i would never want to be in the situation the people in this in this place are in no way mm. nobody leaves nobody leaves their home and their family and everything that. they've known Unless they don't have a choice, they have to be are completely there, desperate. Wouldn't yeah. Be, yeah. Are there some exceptions to that rule? Maybe, but almost everybody that applies for asylum, I think it's something like eighty-three percent, might be even higher of people that apply get it because it's indisputable. Mm. Yes, um, and there are so many eighty different countries. Yeah, there are so many trouble spots. Seems like a sort of trivial piece of language to describe what goes on in, in, in some places. Mm. You know, but there's so many people who sort of like in Afghanistan worked as interpreters in various other ways for the sort of the British and Americans and are now hiding uh, and trying to escape from what's going on there. Yeah. You know, from mm. the mess that's been left behind. Yeah. And that's only one of yeah. those places. Yeah. Yeah. You you mentioned some of the South African countries. Personally, no idea what's going on there. America, South America, or Central America. Central yeah. America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you know, you can't even if you're interested in global politics, you can't really keep up with what's going on in eighty different countries. No. Uh, um, so it's 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 quite astonishing. Personally, I remember being about twelve or thirteen, and uh, in Biafra, the Biafra War was on. And we were sort of encouraged by Blue Peter yeah. <laughs> yeah, to sort of raise, raise funds to sort of feed Biafran kids and then discovering that you know, British companies are selling arms to the people who are shooting at those yeah. Biafran kids. Mm-hmm. Thinking there's something... That's one know, of the things at that age, just thinking there's something very wrong with, with the world. <laughs> it always strikes me that quite a lot of the people that come here, this con- and that's why they come here, this country has had an involvement in the history of their country, mm. for good or for bad. Mm. England's had its tentacles right across the world. And, you know, this is part of the result. Yeah. Uh, mm. And and it's not all bad. My, 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 my dad spent his teenage years in the early 1940s fighting against the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, Britain is responsible for an awful lot of stuff that's gone wrong, but an awful lot of good totally. as well. And I think people, people forget that. People sometimes. come here with a there's a 
they come here with a sense that England is a, and they're right to some extent, a lovely, kind, warm country that they've learned about growing up or they've been taught the language or it's in their history or, you know, England has quite a reputation worldwide, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Quite a positive reputation. Um, But I just want to make sure that there's a couple of really key facts that you wouldn't think of if you believed what we read in the paper. But I wondered if you knew, so everyone that's ever come to the UK as a refugee or an asylum seeker that is alive today, what percentage of our population that they make up? Wow. (laughs) Very small, I would guess. But I'm not sure. If you push me... Uh, I, uh, it would be sort of one or two percent. Yeah, it's zero point six percent. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and yet we're led to believe that. And yeah, it's <laughs> the hottest issue in politics overall. today, isn't yeah. it? it yeah. We're talking about zero point six percent of our population. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tiny numbers, and there's eighty million displaced people in the world right now. One um, percent of those make it to the UK. In Europe, we're the 17th. Like, there's 16 other countries that take more people than we do. Yeah. So what we really welcome is good quality second-hand shoes and clothes for all ages. We've got loads of baby stuff. We don't need baby stuff. But adults and and children, that would be great. If anyone has any phones they don't use that they know are in working order or laptops, we'll gladly take them off your hands. And we're always looking for regular donors. You know, we've got people signed up even £5 a month. Mm. You can find the button on our website. And we've got an exciting challenge coming up in the run-up to Refugee Week where we're going to do an appeal and ask people to run, move, run, walk, cycle, abseil, swim, whatever they want, and collectively to build 24,000 miles, which is the circumference of the mm. globe. Mm. And we're going to try and raise £24,000 with match funding. So we'll let you know when that's yes, a bit clearer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's just just tell us what the website, it. what the web address if is. If you just search St. Augustine's Halifax, you'll find us. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Fascinating discussion. Um,